Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Live It Well podcast. We are your hosts, Chris and Jenny Gravy. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. We are so glad that you're here with us. Each week, we invite authors, mentors, friends of ours who have an inspiring message, who are living their life well. And so our goal is to learn and grow, and we want to invite you to do the exact same thing with us. So hope you're ready. Let's dive right in. Well, guys, if you've thought to yourself at any point during this crazy season, you know, I just wish I could sit down with an older, wiser sage who's been walking this life and faith thing out way longer than I have. I'm right here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Okay. Sorry. You were talking about me. Older, wiser. Oh, way. Yes. Not with gray hair. No. Got it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, we're making your wish come true today. Indeed. It just does not get any better than our wonderful guest this week. Guys, we're chatting with America's favorite pastor, teacher, and New York Times bestselling author, Max Licato. This is a lot of fun. It was so fun. Really love this conversation. If you don't know, Max Licato has been in ministry for over 40 years. He's literally written over a hundred books. A hundred books? How does one human being... (laughs) We do that, and they've sold over 130 million copies. Man, his work has been featured everywhere, from USA Today to Fox News, Larry King, and so many more. Max shares with us how you can find hope and healing in the midst of all of the chaos and anxiety that we have going on in our world right now. This is the time for the church to step up. Here's the question we need to be asking. God, what are you saying in all this? What do we need to be hearing? I think each one of us could receive a personal answer to that question. This was absolutely one for the books. I mean, definitely one of my new very favorite episodes. I was blown away by Max's humility and authenticity and wisdom and just all around compassion and kindness. Guys, you really are going to love this conversation. And not only that, we had a special guest (laughs) in the background. More than one, actually. Uh, A chorus of birds (laughs) singing in the background. Who needs that boring nothing in the background? We're going to have these birds singing for you. Special feature. Special feature. We've added (laughs) some birds singing in the background. We were actually in a beautiful location, and we recorded this outside. So... Hey, you're going to get the raw, real countryside of Texas. Yeah, give it just a minute and hopefully you'll just start to embrace the birds singing along with the episode. Yeah, Yeah, it was an honor. It was a privilege and we had such a fun time and you guys are going to love this conversation. So our prayer is that this encourages you, brings hope to you wherever you are in this season, this crazy season that we're in. So guys, get ready. Here's Max. Well, Max, we are so honored to have you on the show. You have made such a big impact in our lives and our family's lives for such a long time. Thank you so much for being here today. It's my honor. Thank you. It's a real treat and good to good to see your faces, even if it's just through Skype. Absolutely. <laughs> so exciting. Well, Max, you've been in faithful ministry, faithful service to Jesus for over 40 years. Your work has touched millions of people all over the globe. And we would love to jump in with your story and just hear how this journey with Jesus began for you, how it all began, how you first encountered him, and how this adventure with Christ started. Well, that's um, that's a great, great question. It really is. For me, it's always hard to pinpoint exactly. For me, it was more of a gradual uh, coming to trust Christ more and, and follow him. I feel like throughout my life, it's been uh, seasons of growth and then seasons of flatness, uh, seasons of expansion and seasons of dryness. But 
the short version is that I was raised in a really good home. I uh, grew up uh, way out in the flatlands of West Texas in a very small town. Became a Christian when I was 10, but I did not behave as a Christian, especially in my teenage years. You would not have wanted, uh, no one would have wanted their daughter to go out with the teenage version of Max Lefebvre. <laughs> I, was a, I was a troubler. I was a drinker. I was a, a brawler. I was a fighter. I was just a mess. Uh, and by the time I was 20, I was uh, on the fast road to alcoholism, and my friend convinced me to come back to church. And so I started going back to church. Most Sundays I went. I did have a hangover, but I went anyway. And uh, when I was 20, a man preached a sermon on the grace of God and how he gives second chances to people uh, all their lives. And uh, my, my life was such a mess that I thought, well, I don't really have anything to lose. And so I, I returned. I changed my peer groups. My peer group that I was running around with was characterized by Coors Beer. Uh, I found a, a different circle this of friends. Not a sponsor for that. <laughs> That's we right. I can pay for That's that. Right. <laughs> That's right. Although that is a good beer. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> um, my uh, ended up as a missionary. Ended up being doing mission work for five years in South America. Uh, moved from there to San Antonio. Uh, city that we love, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then um, the church in San Antonio hired me. Uh, they had never met me. I'd never been a pastor of a church in America. I was 33. They took a chance on me, and I've been here since 1988, uh, the same church. Wow. Uh, right now, I'm, I'm in a, a different role in the church. I was senior pastor for many, many, many years, uh, but now I'm a teaching pastor which means that we've turned the leadership of the staff over to some high, more highly energized and better trained younger folks, especially one guy in particular. But they let me stay around and preach about 20 times a year. So it, it's, a, it's a good season. But I'm, I'm just an old drunk. I really am an old drunk who found God's grace. It's really that simple. That's wow. Amazing. What a story. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I, you know, congratulations on staying faithful in that long stretch of time. And I'm sure, like you said, there were some ups and downs, but man, that is, you know, unfortunately you don't hear somebody say, I showed up in, in the mid eighties and, really and I'm still here. And so, oh, good, good job. Well, it's easy if you don't have a plan B. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going all in. I put the chips in. We're going all in here. I hope they keep me. Yeah. Uh, they, they, they won't let me sell insurance. So I, I <laughs> oh man, it's so funny. That's all you got. Well, again, thank you for sharing that. And I want to take a second and pivot. There's there's a lot happening in our world right now with the COVID-19, the coronavirus stuff. And honestly, things are changing by the minute. You know, we're right in the midst of it. Who knows what's going to happen by the time this airs. But there's a lot of fear, right? A lot of people afraid, feeling fear. There's, there's just a lot of animosity being kicked up out there. So I want to hear from you uh, where yeah. do we begin like you know yeah. what what's the how do we find hope and healing in the midst of yeah. kind of this chaos yeah well there's so many thoughts i have on that in fact i'm in a lot of conversations and and uh, doing increasing number of ministry opportunities because i really think this is the time for the church to step up mm -hmm. yeah. this is the time for the church to step up here's the question we need to be asking god what are you saying to us what are you saying in all this? What do we need to be hearing? I think each one of us could receive a personal answer to that question. Uh, for some of us, it might be we hear the Lord say, you're putting your trust in the wrong place. Mm -hmm. 
you know, when the economy goes belly under like it is right now, we realize that we may have been placing our trust in our retirement account or our, our trust funds or our investments, you know. He may be saying that, that to us. Uh, for many of us, he may be saying, you're going to the wrong place for your fulfillment. I mean, we've never seen this. We've right. never seen stadiums empty. Yeah. We've never seen cruises canceled. Yeah. We've never seen people ditching their vacation plans. Right. Well, isn't that an interesting message that to me says, I hear God saying to me and to many of us, don't turn to these places for fulfillment anymore. Yeah. Turn to me. Turn to me. And so I think that's the question. I'm, I'm just saying that over and over. Spend some time in prayer and say, Lord, what are you saying to us? What are you saying to me? I think he's also, if you don't mind if I keep unpacking please, for please. more. I think not only is he talking to the world, I think he's testing the church. I think he's testing the church. We might remember when Jesus fed the 5,000 plus the women and children. Before he fed them in that miracle, he turned to his followers and he said, you feed them. Mm -hmm. You feed them. And the scripture says, Jesus said this to test them because he already knew what he was going to do. So he was giving them a test. They failed the test. Had they passed the test, they would have said, well, we don't have enough money. We don't have enough food, but we've seen what you can do, Jesus, and we're going to trust you. But they did not do that. So they flunked the test. That's okay. He still loved them, still saved them, still used them. Yeah. But he's testing them. I think he's testing the church. Mm -hmm. I think we're, our role now is to go to Jesus. Yeah. Say, Jesus, we don't have the resources. I mean, our smartest people on the planet haven't come up with a cure. Right. I mean, we have no more swagger. We have no more boast. Right. We humble ourselves. We take to heart what you have said. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, repent of their wicked ways, and pray, I will heal their land. We've got to stand on that promise, and uh, I think that's where we are right now. Absolutely. You know, you, you mentioned the church, and I want to pivot just a little bit. There's a lot happening in the church right now, even before all of this chaos was happening. You know, we're kind of at an unprecedented place in church history as well, just as the church body. Um, and as someone who grew up in the church, I mean, my grandfather and great-grandfather were all Baptist ministers. I mean, it's just in my blood. I believe in the church. I love the church. It's been heartbreaking to see all the division and everything that's happening. And for us being in church ministry for so long, we have friends who are becoming Orthodox or they're joining a liturgical church or they're walking away from church completely. There's so many different responses to what's going on in the church right now. And I would love to hear from your perspective, what do you see happening in the global church, and what? where's the hope? Where Where do you see it going in the future? Well, you guys are asking such good questions. <laughs> <laughs> it's her. She's no. the looks and the brains. I'm just, no. I'm the sidekick. She's got it. <laughs> I don't know of a more important question than that. I really do. It's a, it's a critical time, unique time in the history of the church. You know, when I grew up, it was assumed that most people would go to church. And if you uh, didn't go to church, you didn't tell people you didn't go to church. Right. Right. Now, now we live in a day in which we've created a whole category of people who don't go to church called the nuns, not like Catholic nuns, but the N-O-N-E-S. It's not assumed that anymore. 
And so it is very much a secular society. And people are questioning, questioning the authority of the church, the necessity of the church. So I have two or three thoughts. Okay. Great. I don't know if you're going to like them or not. Bring it. Bring it. <laughs> uh, I think the Bible was written for days like today. And the Bible was written in days like today. You think about where we are right now, especially with this coronavirus. We had to cancel church services. We didn't cancel church, but we canceled church services. Uh, and so people were responding, saying, but yeah, how, how do we worship? How does this work? And uh, that's how it was in the beginning. That's how the New Testament church began. They didn't have church buildings. Uh, they just connected with one another. Now, of course, we don't have that physical connection during this crisis, but that's okay. This is a great opportunity for us to lean into the power of the Holy Spirit and to trust him, to believe that he is greater than any of this. And just to believe and to trust him. Wow, what an opportunity that we have. I'm not a big fan of cynicism. I'm really not. Every generation that comes along says, well, we need to reinvent the church. Because the generation above us, they don't know what's going on. I did that when I was in college. I did that when I was in my early 30s. I was a radical. I was a part of a group of 12 pastors that met a couple of times a year of 30-somethings. We called ourselves the Young Bucks because we were going to buck against the establishment. Oh, wow. Well, <laughs> you know, what I found is that everybody screws it up. We all do. We all do. I have. I, you know, I've, I've screwed it up. And the men ahead of me that I was so mad at, you know, I love them, you know, and the women. But we got to come around the core, and that is the death, burial, and the resurrection of Christ. And if we can keep focused on those big messages, then we've got to give ourselves lots of latitude, lots of forgiveness in how we express it. Yeah. And no, uh, no church is doing it well. Maybe mega churches have come and gone. Maybe they've outlived their purpose. I don't know. But I do know that we've got to keep preaching the gospel, loving one another, forgiving one another. And a little humility would go a long way in many of these uh, conversations. Absolutely. I have just a follow-up question really quick. You know, you said you were part of a group that was bucking against the generation before <laughs> you. Um, what were some of the things that in your generation you guys were fighting against? What were the issues? I'm just curious because I'm sure they're Thank different you. now. But Thank you. Thank you. Um, boy, I'm getting so old I don't even remember. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> right? Isn't right? You're like, funny? okay, apparently it wasn't that big of a deal. Right. <laughs> That in and of itself is telling, isn't it? Right, yeah. right. Because we were so wound up. Yep. We were so, so wound up. Yep. Um, okay. Some of it had to do with the role of women in the church. Okay. okay. Yep. We were all, and I still am. I still am yeah. in favor of a, a greater appreciation. I'm very much uh, a one who wants to uh, incorporate to, to 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 build leadership around spiritual gifts, less around gender. I still believe that. I know, I know not everybody does, but that's okay. That's not our conversation for today. Yeah, yeah. I remember that was one of our big topics. Uh, one of our topics, which was very important, continues to be, is avoiding legalism. Uh, I was raised in a background of a somewhat smaller uh, legalistic tradition, and it was right. What we were doing there was really pondering the, the gospel of grace. And so I think some of that that we bucked against was helpful. 
And then lastly, I come out of a tradition that has a strong lay elder presence. In other words, we have elders who serve as leaders in the church. And I was kind of tired of those elders. I wanted to run the church in my own way. Right. And now I've come to love those, uh, those leaders who protected me back in those early days. I mean, they could have so easily kicked me out in the parking lot and told me to get lost, but sure. they did not. Sure. So those were three, yeah. three things. But we were hot shots. Sure. We were hot shots. It's always the case, though, right? You know, it's just so fascinating to see the circles that we go in, you know, and... I mean, I've I've never been one of those hot shots. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what you guys are talking about. I don't know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just the piece that you talked about with grace. I think that yeah. was that was such a big deal in that time of fighting against the legalism, replacing it with grace. You know, yeah. ragamuffin gospel and that whole idea that we can come as we are. But it's so interesting now, years later, after right. all those kids who grew up in that kind of environment, now. It seems to be the opposite. We're fighting for all those things that we took out of the church to make it more seeker friendly. That's what everybody's hungry for now. The spiritual disciplines <laughs> and the practices and we want the history and all of it. You know, it's just amazing so how we go in these circles. So that's yep. crazy. And they're probably good. It's yeah. probably a necessary circle. Probably probably right. good for us. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I do remember two or three years into my ministry here in San Antonio choosing to preach a series based on the book of Romans and how it changed me. It just changed me. It literally rerouted my life. And that was so good for me. Uh, but it was different than what our church had been teaching, what our tradition had been teaching. And so that was an important change. I, I, I think that every generation has to discover grace. I can say that right now in the last few years with the Holy Spirit, I've had encounters with the Holy Spirit that I've never had in my whole life. That's amazing. Wow. Uh, I mean, it's it's supernatural. Yeah. And I'm doing things now that I used to preach that we weren't supposed to do. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And uh, it's an exciting journey that I'm on. Yeah. Uh, and I'm happy about that. I hope to the day I die, I'm saying, oh, I've kind of learned something new. Yeah. I hope that. I pray that if the Lord allows me to, to be 95 years old, that if you interview me at that point, I'll say, boy, you should, you know, the Holy Spirit taught me something new or I have an understanding I didn't have because nobody's got it all figured out. Absolutely. Well, we're interviewing you at 95 yeah, for we are. sure. We're definitely. For well, sure. yeah, okay. <laughs> I got to get that on my calendar. Yeah. We're going to we're gonna do that at the Alamo yeah. Cafe, though. We're yeah, going to go get some. Okay. <laughs> that's what we're going to do. By then, you two will be, what, 35? Yeah. Yeah, yeah 100%. <laughs> right, right around in there. Yes, sir. Our kids will be. I don't 30, know. Right? Yeah, our kids will yeah. be. You know, jeez. Um, all right. Well, let's jump into. You uh, got, we're running out of time. We are running out of time. You put your hands in so many projects. God has used you to write books and curriculum and video series and all sorts of things. But I want to talk about uh, this Jesus book. And the subtitle, The God Who Knows Your Name. Uh, tell me a little bit about this book. What's it all about? I always wanted to write a book all about Jesus, just about Jesus, start to finish. That would be a book that uh, people who never heard of Jesus, this would be a good introduction. People who uh, know about him but know little about him, this would be a great primer. For those of us who have loved him and known him for decades, this would be a great reminder. So that's the idea behind this book. The whole entire project was to look at the different elements in the life of Christ, like Jesus, our Redeemer, our Teacher, uh, our Savior, our Returning King, 
you know, just the different uh, aspects of the life of Christ. And so that that's the idea behind this. It's not any rocket science or anything brand new. Uh, but I do think it's my favorite giveaway book, you know, of all that I have. Well, Anxious for Nothing, another book I wrote right now, I'm giving away a whole lot because of yeah. all the anxiety. Yeah. But the Jesus book, I think, will be a, for years to come, one that I love to share with people. Is there a characteristic of Jesus that meant the most to you or that stood out to you when you put this book together? Boy, you guys ask great questions. That is a, <laughs> that is a good one. You know, I think uh, coming king, coming king. I love the idea that the day is soon coming that Christ will reign on this earth and we will be finally in that Garden of Eden status that we were intended to be in. And all these viruses, whether they be spiritual or physical, whatever it is, uh, that they'll be gone. And so the I love it, and it brings me such joy. I don't know what I would do, where I would turn for hope, if I didn't really in my heart of hearts believe that Jesus is a coming king. That's so good. That's good. I love that. I love it. Well, we are running out of time. I want to touch on one other project that you released this year, and it, it holds special meaning in my heart because... A long, long, long time ago, when I went away to college, my mom sent me away with a Max Licato Bible in my suitcase, <laughs> and I had way too much fun that first year of college. And at some point, I came crawling back to my bookshelf and dusted off that Bible. And when I tell you, Jesus met me in those pages of that Max Licato Bible, and it became such a lifeline for me and truly carried me through the next few years, totally transformed me when he met me in those pages. And there's just something special about that Bible, those stories that you tell in the sidebars and those prayers that you give us to pray. Those words were, were lifelines for me. So I'm so excited that you've got a brand new edition of that coming out this year that's, that's out right now. And I would love to hear your heart behind putting that together and how that came to be in the first place. Wow, I wish I could have recorded what you just said. I guess you did record it. It's recorded. <laughs> we'll send it Good to news. you. <laughs> I, I, would love, I would love for the team that really did the hard work putting this Bible together to hear that. That means everything. That means everything. You're right. I led the effort, the initiative on one of these Bibles. I think it's 24 years ago now that we first had one probably come out. about right. And so it's time now for a new one, yeah. you know. And I guess when I'm 95, I'll be working on the Don't next one. Nice <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this Bible, uh, as you know, contains a collection of devotional writings of mine over these many, many years. Mm -hmm. um, the tool is hopefully a practical way for people to have in a Bible a variety of devotional readings so that they don't need to carry 10 books with them if yeah. they go on vacation, or they don't have to pull up books down off the shelf when they're having their devotional readings to see what uh, somebody has said on this particular passage. We settled on that name, Encouraging Word, uh, just because I believe our world is such need of encouragement. Mm -hmm. There's such a discouragement conspiracy afoot. Uh, everybody as discouraging us because of the advertisements or the news. And so we need to encourage one another. I like that line that says, if you feed your faith, your fears will starve. But if you feed your fears, your faith will. Mm -hmm. So I'm just hoping that we can do a better job about feeding our faith 
Yeah. And that's what this book is all about. This Bible. I mean. Yeah. I love it so well, much. Well, uh, this Bible, I, I've seen the fruit of what it did in this pretty lady's life. So, And all of the, the material and the projects you've written. And again, like, thank you so much for all that you've done. Uh, we're going to close our time out together with three questions that we like to ask everyone. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> Is that the first question? Yes. So no, the second, count. okay. We asked four questions. <laughs> that was the first one. All right, first question, uh, what's a book that's impacted your life? I dedicated the Bible that you're talking about today. I dedicated it to Charles Swindoll because in 1979, I read a book of his, just a gift book that's what's called Killing Giants and Pulling Thorns. Uh, It's just a coffee table book, a collection of devotional pieces of his. But a friend gave that to me in 1979, and I read that, and I said, I'd love to write like that someday. And so that book changed me because I saw here's a picture of a pastor who is a writer and a writer who is a pastor. Mm. And that book changed me forever. I love that. I love it. Okay, question number two. What's a habit that's changed your life? Mm, CrossFit. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. I've had to lay off for the last couple of months because of an injury. Because old people get hurt if they're not careful. (laughs) But I love I love CrossFit, and uh, in fact, I just got word yesterday that they're uh, sending CrossFit workout routines, wads as we call them, putting them online so we can do them at home during this uh, coronavirus scare. But I love it. I've always loved working out. I tend to get pudgy if I don't. I can get lazy <laughs> real easy, and so CrossFit, I love it. Oh, that's so cool. Well, Perfect. very cool. It's inspiration for me. I'm gonna. <laughs> Put down the queso and go go do some CrossFit. Lay off the tortillas. Yeah. All right. Last question. What advice would you give to the younger you? Oh, boy. Don't be so cocky. Don't be so cocky. Yeah. You know, it's uh, thanks for reminding me of how we were a part of that Young Bucks. To be honest, I hadn't thought about that in a long time. And it really struck me that I had to search to remember the things that we had to do. So, yeah, I'd say don't be so cocky. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed. She looked right at me no, when didn't. you I said that. <laughs> don't be so cocky. Um, I did not. Was uh, okay. <laughs> checking the time, Max. So, oh, Max, thank you so much for being here. Where can people look you up and, and website and all that good stuff? All at maxlocato.com. Maxlocato.com. Yeah. It's all there. And I'm going to be posting a whole lot during this scare. I mean, almost every day. All right. Well, Max, thank you so much for your time and just, you know, being a hero for us and our families. Thank you. It's great to see you. Well, was that one of your new favorite conversations? (laughs) Because I know it was for us. Guys, thank you so much for listening today. There's a lot going on in our world right now. And we just want you to know that we're praying for you. And there's hope that in the midst of all of this insanity that we can find Jesus, find hope and lean on him and his word. And we'd love to hear how we can pray for you and how these episodes are encouraging you in this season that we're in right now. And honestly, any other way that we might be able to help you in this time. You can hit us up over on our website at letsliveitwell.com. Leave us a review on iTunes or come find us on social media. This week, Jenny and I spent some time just kind of sharing what's going on in our life over on our Instagram and over on our Facebook page. Uh, things that we've found that are working in the midst of this unprecedented season and things that maybe aren't working. So we'd love to hear what's going on in your world. And as always, guys, you can find all the info for today's episode, all the links mentioned, all the books mentioned in our show notes over at our website, letsliveitwell.com. 
Well, all right, y'all, that's a wrap for today's episode. We will catch you next week. We're going to close it out like we do every single time. Remember, you only get one life. Live Live it well. well.